0: Let's begin by going to New Orleans and saying hello to Lisa Graves. Nice to have you with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. It's very nice to be on.
0: Let's first start with the larger macro view. First, we are led to believe that we elect officials to go to Washington or to the state capitals in order to adhere to principles that enhance our well-being, whether it's our protections in the environment or personal health, and that's what we believe, and that's what the politicians who we vote for tell us they are going to do, serve our interest. But then we start seeing things that make no sense. The Glass-Steagall Act is repealed. Environmental protection rules are uh, repealed. Uh, There is casino gambling, derivatives, credit default swaps, all of which the average person is is not connected with. It's not a part of their day-to-day lives. All the average American knows today is that it's boom time, great time, party time for a lot of Americans, but 240 million, it's a bad time. And they don't see an improvement in their quality of life. They don't see improvement in their salaries to their job potential, they see a great deal of insecurity. And they ask, how is this possible? Because neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are actually working on behalf of the average American. And there's where our debate began years ago. Who was at fault? Who was right? Who was wrong? Now your group has come up with something that we didn't know about. In fact, outside of the people involved, It was one of those well-kept secrets. It was called the ALEC, A-L-E-C. And now we find out that there have been corporations uh, and a lot of major corporations working to undermine unions, working to undermine workers' rights, civil liberties, corporate oversight, health care, utilities, taxation, all of which favor greater independence for the corporate regime and their domination over the privatization of um, of people's lives, destroying our educational system. In other words, these corporations have worked with legislators on a regular basis where they meet and they vote on what they believe should be the change in the laws. All of this completely... Out of the public domain. Take it from there and show us how they've done this, the consequences of this, how this has really blindsided us. This brings an entirely new understanding of why we should challenge the notion that we have uh, legislators working on our behalf, uh, and instead of the corporate interest. The form is yours.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. I, I have to say, as someone who uh, previously worked as a lobbyist on behalf of the ACLU and who worked in all three branches of the federal government. I've seen a lot in Washington, um, but this, uh, this development with respect to how ALEC operates was genuinely shocking to me because I had no idea that corporations were actually voting on legislation behind closed doors before that legislation is later introduced in state houses across the country cleansed Of any reference to the fact that some of the biggest corporations in America, let alone the world, had already pre approved that legislation through voting as equals, as equals under the ALEC uh, regime with state politicians to advance that model legislation. I think that it really is an unbelievable. Uh, creation uh, what Alec has created it is a situation in which um, the American people are in essence bypassed what we've seen this spring in state houses across the country is um, what I would describe as uh, unfortunately sort of a almost a facade of democratic process because some of the legislative provisions that were in essence imposed, uh... by uh... partisan majorities uh... came up in state houses it was pushed through uh... virtually unchanged in many instances not changed at all Um, uh... there were hearings that were very short the american people didn't have a lot of opportunity to weigh in when they did weigh in they were basically ignored throngs of people in state houses in Wisconsin and and across uh, the Rust Belt, uh, people up in Maine uh, on a whole host of issues involving uh, unions, involving budgets, involving voter ID. Uh, Many of these bills have what I would call ALEC DNA. They have common provisions, common ideology, and often uh, identical language in some respects and so you had the sort of notion that there was a democratic process in the state house in which people could um participate and share their views and and uh propose uh, amendments but in fact almost most of those amendments were rejected people's concerns were rejected and this agenda was rammed through state houses across the country um and so what we discovered when we actually saw this trove of bills that we've made available to the public and to other reporters is how many pieces of legislation have already been pre-approved by corporations voting behind closed doors with politicians and what we saw was a breadth and depth and duration of agenda to dismantle our public school system to privatize it in multiple ways to privatize the prison system in multiple ways to sell off state public assets, basically to convert public institutions into centers for private gain, to take Americans' tax dollars uh, that would go to um, nonprofit endeavors by the government in which someone isn't taking a piece of the pie, but the money is going into public services and transfer those services into the hands of the private sector so that they could take profit out of public tax dollars. Uh, We also saw in that legislation numerous efforts to rewrite the law to make it more difficult for Americans who have been injured or killed by corporations, by corporate negligence or misconduct, to get their day in court, to have a jury of their peers fully compensate them for their damages. Um, Really, in every area of the law, what we see is really a quite remarkable radical agenda, and it's being... Pushed by uh, corporations, along with uh, some, you know, very partisan politicians. Alec itself, uh, in its leadership, according to the last information we had, had 103 Republicans and one Democrat on its board, its task forces, and its what it calls its state chairmanships. Um, it's an organization that is largely funded by corporations. Less than two percent of its funding comes from legislative dues by legislators the rest comes from corporations foundations and other sources some of those politicians are so cheap they don't even pay the fifty dollar dues per year for themselves they have the taxpayers pay it for them meanwhile corporations are paying seven thousand five hundred twenty five thousand or more a year uh, for this opportunity to have uh... their legislation considered by politicians, vote alongside those politicians for their legislation, have other politicians ratify that legislation, and then have that legislation introduced in your state house without any disclosure to you that it was already pre-approved, pre-voted on by corporations.
0: Also, we might mention some very specific instances because I'm inundated on a daily basis, anywhere from twenty seven to 35,000 people coming on. That's a lot of information to process each day where people all over the country are saying, we can't go down our public roads out here in Idaho. Uh, They're suddenly blocked. And uh, places we used to go, uh, state lakes, we can't get near. And I thought that's strange. Now it turns out that there's A group inside the White House of 22 different committees headed by the CIA, Homeland Security, uh, FEMA, as well as the Interior Department. And behind the scenes, corporate lobbyists wanting to take 16 million acres of common public land, ban the public from it, turn it over in this government, what they're calling um, a government uh, business relationship with a rosy outlook. Let's make it good to put jobs back out there. And, of course, what's happening is they're going to go in there and do oil exploration, uranium, and precious metals. The Chinese are on board uh, in Utah, for example, to do coal, which has one of the largest coal deposits in the United States. And I'm thinking, why isn't the mainstream media touching this? Why aren't the Avisigi groups? And, and then I find out no one knew about it. Well, how do you get together 22 different agencies, including people from Justice Department. What in the world would FEMA uh, people in national security be doing as a part of something has to do with parks and streams and and, uh, access roads into public grounds? They have no business there. And then you start seeing that this is where they're not going to allow the people onto their own lands. One little thing, separately in New York State, We have a major original investigative report coming out next week showing you the truth about hydrofracking and that it is not safe. Now, right now, the governor is pushing to hydrofrack all over New York. We already have over 600,000 natural gas wells in the United States. Hydrofracking is when you cannot hit a natural gas pocket, you want to go into shale and break it up. But that takes millions of gallons of water per well, over 200 different toxic chemicals per well, and then it can spread into any aquifer system and frequently drills through aquifer systems. So if there's any break at any time or any leaking, your water's polluted. Now we have information where we're calling all over the country and everywhere where there's hydrofracking, where people were promised it would be safe, now we're finding people are saying our water is brown, it rusts our, our dishes, we can't use it for drinking or bathing, and no one's listening to us. So I'm thinking, how did they do this? Huh. How did they get to where they lied to the American public, like clean coal, huh. and and uh, said that hydrofracking is great, it's going to cause a boom in jobs? A, it won't. It's merely another com- commodity bubble. And uh, people are going to get—the investors in it, by the way, are going to lose their shirt. It's not clean. It is not economical. But they had to be working for months, if not years, behind the scenes. And I'll bet anything you'll find that the hydrofracking, which is in every single state legislature— To protect them, so they don't have to be falling under EPA water purification guidelines, which would ban them in every state, Uh, even on the most prestigious water, uh, the most prime water in the New York area, which is the Delaware Water uh, River. That now is a challenge because they're opening up all these permits to hydrofract right by it. They had to work. They, they did this also with mandatory vaccines. Everywhere in America, people were calling me and saying, can you help us? They want to make mandatory vaccines. And I'm thinking, well, how in the world did they get to every 50 legislative uh, member and say that vaccines are both safe and effective? When there's a scientist who's studied and written on this, they cannot prove that it is. In fact, there's a lot of harm. But the vaccine industry is behind it. Once again, now we have a piece of the puzzle we did not have before. When you look at how many pieces of legislation we, the public, only find out either after it's passed or just before it's passed, and it's all written for pro-industry. Now you, your organization, have fit fit in a piece of the puzzle that had you come on this air a year ago, six months ago, and said, you know, Gary, there's... Could you believe that we we have found where there's a group of the top corporations sitting and voting in secret with state legislators and they're voting on laws that will then be written by the special interest groups and then taken into the state assemblies and passed to deregulate what they don't want to be regulated on and implement what they can control? Someone has said you're a conspiracy, conspiracy nut. But that's what we have now. Is that correct or not?
1: Well, I, I w- there was a lot there. I would say um, it, it really is the case that a year, a, a, almost a year and a half ago, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, issued a ruling that made it a lot easier for corporations to give, uh, to basically spend unlimited money in our elections in Citizens in United. Elections in the Citizens United decision, that, that decision was sort of a wake-up call for a lot of people about just how far corporate power had gotten uh, through our court system, through a five-person uh, right-wing majority on the court, uh, to basically overrule decades of law relating to the ability to regulate corporate spending. And, and overturn it and, and create a free-for-all in a system which many Americans already understood before that decision corporations had too much influence too much power that they were having too much exerting too much um, control in essence in Washington on our laws but even with that decision last year I don't think I don't think anyone really expected to discover that it wasn't just that corporations were lobbying and using their uh, lobbying expenses to sort of try to wine and dine members in Congress, or to make donations, or to create political action committees uh, to support them, and and there had been some lobbying reform a couple of years back after the Jack Abramoff sc- a scandal about. Uh, golf trips and, you know, trips to ball games and things like that. But so there had been some reforms, but I don't think anyone imagined a scenario in which, at least outside of ALEC members, I don't think anyone really imagined a scenario in which corporations would actually be given an equal vote uh, behind closed doors with state politicians to craft, quote, model, quote, legislation um, that would basically serve the business agenda. That, that was really astonishing. Uh, it was certainly astonishing to me. And um, on a host of the issues that you raised, uh, I definitely would love to go into more detail and look into the, the discussion of the White House um, and the multi-agency task force or, or group, working group that you mentioned. But what I can say is that it's quite clear that there has been this sort of notion of what they call public-private partnerships that this is an inherently good thing versus an inherently worrisome thing uh, for corporations to be acting as partners in some way and what we've seen that that how that translates in many ways is that corporations uh... are getting their way in essence with the government and we see in alec bills uh... efforts to privatize uh... public holdings uh, we see, you know, resolutions or bills that uh, suggest that the states basically should be able to take away from the federal government, um, from the, you know, from the American people, in essence, uh, uh, lands that are held in held for all people in the country, at least in theory. And the objective of that, the purpose of that, is so that states could then open up those lands uh, to more drilling, more mining. Um, you know, more industrial uh, timber, et cetera, activities. Um, and so, and, and to basically pr- add that profit motive into our park system, which we've seen in the Bush administration and beyond efforts to basically expand access at, at some pretty low ball rates to corporations to um, make profit on our public assets. Um, and then we have a, a situation this this week here in New Orleans where one of the panels uh, involves a, a discussion of basically the idea that the government shouldn't have any buildings. It should sell off all of its holdings, all of the real estate uh, to the private sector and then lease back from these corporations uh, the, the very buildings that government business is conducted in. Um, this is uh, what Naomi Klein has called disaster capitalism, in essence, at its worst, the idea that nothing that the public has invested in should belong to the public. It should all belong to the private sector, that the, that the government should, in essence be a tenant of the private sector, um, subject to whatever the whims of the private sector are, and that we should that we should divest ourselves, the American people, the people of the states, of our own public wealth, our public assets, our public institutions, even our public buildings, and give them over to the private sector. It's an astonishing session that was held here. The reports of it uh, were quite remarkable. Um, And beyond that, what you see are other things that you pointed out. So, for example, on the issue of fracking, Uh, In addition to our site, AlecExposed.org, where you can see information about the politicians and corporations and the bills, these so-called model bills, in addition to that site, we have a site called SourceWatch.org, which has extensive uh, articles about the fracking issue on what we call our water clearinghouse. Because the fracking issue, which I'm sure many of your listeners in New York have been following, is one in which millions of gallons of drinkable water – water for human beings for our consumption water that is not necessarily an unlimited resource is being used to obtain, uh, to access natural gas, to access methane gas in, in New York and, uh, and the region and, and across the country. Here at the ALEC convention, they have had several workshops and sessions promoting uh, what they call the golden age, the golden age of gas, uh, of gas exploration happening in the country. They claim that this is uh, inherently going to create jobs, that it's, that it's a, a great thing. Um the fact is that it's created a lot of wealth uh, for some of the biggest gas companies in the nation and the world. It has, in essence, bought off through leases uh, some very impoverished uh, landowners in upstate New York and other regions that are that where people are just desperate for jobs and desperate for money and the consequence that we've seen documented in a number of places is as you say that well water has been spoiled that aquifers have been harmed and that the toxic chemicals that uh, are being used in a process that was pioneered by the infamous Halliburton corporation of Dick Cheney fame that Halliburton um, fracking fluids uh, which they have tried to hide from the public what toxic chemicals are in those fluids, Uh, some of those have been reported in New York State as well as Pennsylvania due to government examination, to include a number of very dangerous chemicals. Those fracking chemicals are um, injected into the earth, Uh, they spoil that water, what comes out is uh, uh, water that is mixed with gas and mixed with these toxic chemicals. Uh, in Pennsylvania, there was even an effort to try to use that waste uh, on on highways and roads um, or even perhaps try to use it in, on agricultural lands as some sort of fertilizer. I think that they were able to at least stop that part, but I think the public has been sold a bill of goods. We did an extensive study. Into uh, the fracking issue last year, one of the surprising things we discovered is that the American people in New York and elsewhere are told, are being told that natural gas exploration is essential for our national security, for a national a national security energy policy. What we discovered was that the exports of our natural gas resources in the U.S. is going up. So these companies don't have any ne- don't have any necessary interest or allegiance to the United States. To preserve whatever gas holdings are obtained through um, these processes, these dangerous processes, and these contaminating processes, at least for use by the American people. In fact, the ex- the export of natural gas is on the rise. Um, when <laughs> when the natural gas resources run out at some point, uh, they may have been sold to Europe or other countries. Uh, the people will be out of luck. But in the meantime, the very notion. That the country should be um, allowing largely unregulated fracking for natural gas at the behest of corporations in alec It's a major topic of the conference down here. It's a major push for them uh, to push for uh, as little regulation as possible, uh, b- possible by the EPA or by other agencies of the fracking process, and that we should not instead be investing in green energy and building uh, building safer, cleaner energy and building jobs of the future uh, beyond this uh, focus on petroleum is, you know, an incredible misplaced set of priorities. But it is a set of priorities that is exactly in sync with the leading corporations that fund and underwrite ALEC. And uh, on that point, let me just say, when I opened up the ALEC conference brochure, I was stunned to see the, co- the top corporation listed is part of the president's circle for underwriting this ALEC convention in New Orleans a year after the BP disaster in the Gulf that contaminated uh, the fishing uh, and uh, crabbing and uh, other resources along the shores of this state. The corporation at, at the top of the ALEC underwriters is no none other than BP.
0: That shouldn't surprise us. Now, last question for you. I was doing a media search earlier this morning to see who else in the mainstream media. This is our third time covering it the second you've been on this program. But it was important because this is news today, because you're down in New Orleans, you're covering this. And I was concerned that I did not see any feature stories in the mainstream media covering the downside of ALEC, meaning corporations writing laws, getting state legislators to vote on these laws in secret before these legislators then take them into their state legislatures to either amend change or introduce these as if they're their own for the public well-being when the public had no interest in these or no participation in the process. Are you surprised the mainstream media has not made this an issue?
1: Well, I actually am pretty shocked, quite frankly. There, there has been some terrific coverage coming out of uh, the Los Angeles Times, and, and Bloomberg uh, did another story this week, um, uh, and NPR has done some stories in the past. But uh, the New York Times has been silent. And wo- Totally. And, and this morning we awoke to see a press release from ALEC, from the American Legislative Exchange Council, basically saying that they that they talked extensively to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and the, and the headline of their press release was something like, Much Ado About Nothing. And so basically they were bragging this morning about the fact that they talked the New York Times out of doing a story about this.
0: Gee whiz, didn't, didn't the Bush administration talk the New York Times out of— uh, running a story when the New York Times got a leak on FISA, the illegal wiretapping on citizens, and they kept that under wraps and didn't run it for over 11 months?
1: Over 11 months, including those 11 months that covered at the 2004 presidential election. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I, um, I was really stunned uh, to see that they were bragging about basically talking the New York Times out of covering this issue. I can't believe that the New York Times would consider it not to be a story that there is this disclosure of the fact that corporations are actually voting, voting, behind closed doors as equals with state politicians on legislation that is sweeping the country, provisions that have been introduced in uh, almost every state in the union in at least one of the areas that Alec has been covering. And we see echoes of that legislation in Congress where John Boehner, the major the, the 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 Speaker of the House and Eric Cantor, the Republican leader of the House, are both alumni of Alec. And Alec's tax agenda, which is an agenda to extend the Bush tax cuts. It's an agenda to uh limit any taxes on windfall profits of oil companies, an agenda to um, to cut cut or eliminate estate taxes, an agenda to basically uh, ensure that the richest uh, get as many tax breaks as possible while, while kneecapping government's ability to raise revenues to provide basic services for the American people and then suggesting that they be privatized. Um, that agenda is alive and well in the United States House of Representatives. And so the notion that this is not relevant to the New York Times oh, uh, is deeply, deeply troubling. People ought to be calling the New York Times and asking them why they're not covering ALEC and to say that they're shocked. Shocked, quite frankly, that, they, that Alec would suggest that they've led the New York Times to not cover this story.
0: Like, my, my interest would be who at the New York Times did they manage to speak with at what level to see that they spike this story? Last quick answer, please, Lisa. Sure. Are they talking about pro nuclear or being able to circle the wagons to defend the nuclear industry so it can expand?
1: Yes, um, there, I- there is model legislation uh, in the trove of documents that we have made available and analyzed at org that re- that involves the issue of siting of nuclear plants and other plants and would basically streamline and reduce the ability of the American people to have input into the siting of those plants uh, wow. and the consequences for neighbors uh, who would be stuck, you know, near the incredible risks of the nuclear industry in th- which we knew of before the dangers. Uh, that emerged in Japan, but which we know for certain now uh, in documented ways are extremely dangerous. And so there are there are bills that advance the agenda of the nuclear industry in ALEC.
0: Thank you for the good work you're doing down there today on behalf of the American public and as executive director, Center for Media and Democracy and the publisher, PR Watch and Sorchwas and Bankster USA. We certainly appreciate your efforts.
1: Thank you so much, Gary.
0: Bye.